0: Now, once again, here's Mark.
1: Well,
2: welcome back, everybody. Four minutes
0: after the hour of 11 o'clock, and we're going to be here for
3: another hour talking about car, car repair questions, car repair problems, and stuff like that. Um, and I want to tell you about a couple of good shops, guys that know how to fix cars and guys you can trust to fix cars. Kurtz Auto Repairs up at I-17 and Bell Road. He's been around since 1987. He works on both gas and diesels. He, like most all of us, has ASC certified technicians, which means your vehicle is going to be repaired by a well-trained and certified professional, somebody who's actually passed the test. So those are important considerations. So if you're anywhere near I-17 and Bell, may I suggest, if you don't have a shop already that you absolutely love, then may I suggest that you try Kurtz Automotive, northeast corner of Scottsdale, or uh, I-17 and Bell. Let's talk about what we talked about during the break. We've had two cars. that We had that Monte Carlo 3.1 yes. come in, or and then we had Don's. What do you have, a 2.8 or uh, 4.3, 4.3 S10? 4.3 S-10. S-10. Um, when When those cars hit the shop... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something, and then you follow up. There's a process that we do. We don't care about the check engine lights, and we don't care about this and that and the other. We're looking for spark and fuel and timing and engine vacuum and stuff like that and Correct. fuel pressure. So the fundamentals and the basics are what we have to do. On a gas, on a carbureted engine, we only needed three things for it to run. I'm going to ask them to you, and if you can't get them, I'll help you.
1: Compression, spark, and fuel. Yeah.
3: All right. All right. So, so that's those are real fundamentals. On many of the cars of today, we can actually determine that to a large extent by just cranking it over with our expensive scanners and looking at the scanner. Oftentimes, we can see fuel pressure if we have a fuel pressure right. gauge hooked up. As far as compression is concerned, it's not really hard because that's related to vacuum. Right. So you
1: can that's in, inferred with the vacuum. So it, if it's cranking and it doesn't have compression there isn't going to be any kind of vacuum reading
3: right right and so w- this is all stuff that's second nature to us and so to go in and, and determine what's causing the check engine light we're just really we're just going to go in there and we're not going to have a book in front of us the the, the senior guys and i would say that that there's a, what percentage of all the guys working on cars today have the senior status level do you think I'm thinking 25 or 35 percent, probably. Yeah, yeah. That that have been there, done that, been in the industry for a very, very long time. Um, It's just it's not that hard. But but what happens is is if you don't understand the fundamentals, if you don't understand what the computer is looking at, if you don't understand how it's, if you don't understand fuel pressure regulators that are bad (laughs) that flood the motor, if you don't if you don't understand that that 3.1 the the uh, spark plugs have to be wired at the coil correctly. Right. And and because they're sequenced. So when we send spark to number five, we don't want it going to number seven because you plug the wire into number seven. That's right. Right. And or, even,
1: even a senior check just with his ears can tell if a car has compression or not. Exactly. When it comes in it's going <laughs> wee, 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 wee wee, 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 wee. Well, there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah. There is no compression. We need to find out why.
3: All right, well give me the good compression. Good, good, good. So it's a sewing machine sound or it's got a compression to it. It's right. comp- It's... It, it's just... It's, you can hear it. And as far as fuel's concerned, do we really care if it has a fuel system? Aren't we just going to get a can of carb spray and just fire it down the intake and start that thing up with the can of carb spray?
1: That's one of the easiest things to do, or just a can of propane and exactly. introduce it into the air filter housing.
3: Exactly. We're done. So to, so, for us to get the timing and, and, and fuel and spark and all that kind of stuff, it just doesn't take that long. But folks, it's not like we're going to bill you for seven minutes of his time because he has to go get the propane and he has to do this and he has to do that. And these are tests that he's running that kind of short circuit the whole testing procedure just because of the experience level.
1: Right. There's a shortcut to get to what are we missing. Mm-hmm. That's the first step, but then we have to determine why are we missing okay. it. What, so if we don't have fuel and we put propane on it and the car starts up, okay, well, we know we have compression. Mm-hmm. We know we have spark, Yep. but we don't have fuel. Now yep. we need to figure out why do we not have fuel.
3: Now I'll, I'll name one, you name one. If we don't have fuel, I'm going to take the easy one, fuel pump. Go ahead. Fuel pump relay. Okay. Uh, uh, um, fuel pressure regulator. It's out of fuel. <laughs> That's the most common one. Right. It is. We, I remember we had it a, has girl, no fuel. a girl that
1: was driving an Explorer, so like a late 90s Explorer, and then it has, you know, the distance to empty. Uh-huh. And it came in because it died. And she says, I, I don't know. I mean, it says I have eight miles left to go.
3: Yeah, the, And this the...
1: thing gets 16 miles to the gallon, which means she had, a, at best, a half a gallon of fuel in the vehicle.
3: And, folks, the, 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 the pickup tube goes from the top of the tank downward, and on the end of it it's got a sock on it to keep some of the trash out from going to the motor. Um, you're not going to suck the bottom of the tank dry because we don't want the trash that's there. So the, you're always going to have a little fuel left in the tank.
1: Right, and when your tank is, you know, two feet wide and five feet long, a half a gallon of fuel in there is just a whisper. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. There's there's a bunch of cowboys, and well, there's there's cows out there that have that. They could they could put, um, they could they could take a leak in there and <laughs> fill that tank up. It's just it's just a minor amount of fuel. Right. And so th- those are the kinds of things that 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 we have when we when we're when we're we're charged with it. It's does it have compression? Well, I didn't check it. I know, but you can hear it. You can literally hear it. If anything, you can take one spark plug out and take the spark plug wire and stick it in your right ear, take your thumb and put it over the spark plug hole, and then have somebody hit the key.
1: I want to see that. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I'll ask the next new guy
1: so he can do that.
3: Exactly. If, what we're talking about is, is that in the old days, um, when we had points and condensers, long before we ended up with electronic ignition, which was in the 70s, mid-70s, yeah. late 70s, okay. In the old days... When you got bit by the spark on those systems, it 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 was hardly anything. It made you laugh. It, it yeah, it made you laugh. It wasn't even a bee sting. It wasn't anything. So we morph into electronic ignitions, and and Chevy and Ford and Chrysler, and then we morph into these direct ignition systems where we got coils that sit on top of spark plugs. Folks, when you get bit by that electricity, you normally mess your pants one way or the other. It hurts. It scares you. You
1: cry, and you're not dry.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And you don't want to get hit by that, and you know not to. But the new guy, the new guy always gets broken in in some fashion like that. And I've seen you guys out there. We have a new guy that shows up and somebody has a spark plug wire that's 10 inches or 10 feet long and you plug it into the engine and you hide the wire and you bring it into the bottom of the seat the guy's told to go get that car and move it over here he sits down in the seat he hits the key all of a sudden his his, <laughs> zap, zap. his butts he doesn't know what to do and uh, and it's just a it's just part of the break-in period you know what I mean of of, of what we do what what we do for this kind of stuff but, but that was the transition from yesterday. Today, we don't have carburetors, so we can't look to see if there's any fuel in the bowl. We can't look to see if there's any fuel pressure. And, and and today, we don't even know if there's fuel being sprayed into the cylinders.
1: Right. It used to be we could, if it had a return fuel system, we could pull the return line going back to the tank and just turn the key on. And if we had fuel coming out, then we know th- the fuel pump is working.
3: Because it's a loop, folks. We, we take electric fuel pumps in the tank, and we push fluid forward, gas forward to the engine. Then there's a fuel pressure regulator, so it's given at it 60 pounds, but the pressure regulator says, I only need 30. So it's going to send 30 back to the tank, so it's a loop. It's a big loop, so you got sixty to the regulator and then thirty back to the tank, and I'm using simple numbers right. that don't really mean anything right now. Well, the idea is is you're right, and you can I would suggest that you can touch the return line with your fingers and see if we got fuel running back to the tank right You can feel it. And so those are the kinds of things that that, that, that we work on. 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. Um, On your personal cars, what kind of oil are you using? Conventional, semi-synthetic? Uh, full or synthetic. Full synthetic. And what kind of oil change intervals are you plugged into?
1: I'm 10,000.
3: Okay. And, you, and your cars are what vintage years?
1: I have a 97 Ford Explorer, 2001 Lexus LS430. Um, those are my daily drivers. Those
3: are, okay, and they both have... Hundreds of thousands of miles.
1: They both are over three hundred thousand
3: miles. Okay, so you're going ten thousand miles on a synthetic oil change. Yes. Are you adding oil in the ten thousand miles?
1: On the Explorer, yes, because it has a little bit of an oil leak. Okay. It. Okay, but on and the I just Lexus, I haven't gone around to pull the engine to, to, to fix it.
3: <laughs> so on, on the other side, the Lexus, no problems there.
1: No problems at all.
3: Okay, and you're not, but you are checking the oil. See, that's something that people. I don't think that they have a good grasp. Going from a 3,000-mile oil change to a 10,000 or even a 15,000, I think on my truck, I'm, a, I'm at fourteen or 15,000. But I also hold, um, what, 10 quarts, 8 quarts, 10 quarts in my diesel in the 6, 7?
1: Oh, you're 11 quarts.
3: 11 quarts, yeah. So I mean, I got plenty of oil. It's not like it. But but there is a difference, and, and your 10,000 miles, That get, but you also, how what's your round trip? 70 miles. 70 miles, to work and back. Because you live on the west side and we're in the South Tempe, so th- those those are things. But people shouldn't be afraid of synthetic oil. They just have to remember to check it every once in a while.
1: Right, and like you say, it depends on how many miles you drive. So if you don't drive a lot, you're really not going to get the benefit of running a synthetic oil and changing your oil every two years because you don't want to neglect your car for that long.
3: Right, and and part of the oil change is is, is, is the the uh, what am I looking for the check over. Right. Tires, fluids, belts, hoses, exhaust leaks—we're looking at things that are, are are showing symptoms of being a problem, and so the oil change is a, is a is a very sophisticated inspection of your car, and we're not we're not there to sell you—we're there to find issues that aren't going to last till you come back in ten thousand miles.
1: And we get to see your car in a way you've never seen it before. I mean, we'll have customers say. I've never seen the underside of my car. Can I come out and look at it? Yeah. Absolutely.
3: Come on out. Come on out. And and there's a lot there that we can look at. We can look at weeping, seeping, dripping, and gushing. Would, you, would that be fair?
1: I would have put leaking in there as well.
3: Weeping. Seeping. Le- seeping. Leaking. Leaking. Gushing. Gusher. Okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Okay. The, and that can be any kind of fluid on the car. Right. Any kind of fluid. Then on top of that, you're looking at the tailpipe. They're tan- they're brown, they're black, they're double black, and yeah. <laughs> they're triple black. We're talking gas motors now. We know that it needs to be tan or a light black. We don't want it to be carbon black, and we don't want to be able to stick our fingers in there and then with our fingernails just scrape out a bunch of carbon. There's a problem there. We don't need an emissions report to tell us that. Right. Um, shock absorbers leaking, and tires showing abnormal wear because the shock absorber's leaking. And you want to do shocks. at at the axle at a time so if you need a left yeah a pair thank you for that Um, if you need a left front we're gonna we're gonna try to sell you a right front as well because we're gonna have to do an alignment we're gonna have to do some major take it out and put it back in and this is something that should last a hundred thousand miles and it's so you don't have to worry about it but let's do it right if we're going to do it and i think most shops would agree with that right so anyway, 602-508-0960 if you have a car question or a car problem. And we're really good at my wife does this and my husband says this is the way we ought to do it. We're really good at that.
1: Oh Well, we told Vicki she was right.
3: <laughs> yeah, That's because we were
0: afraid. That's the truth. 602-508-0960. Distracted driving is dangerous, Arizona. When you pick up your phone to send a text message, you're putting lives at risk. When you pick up your phone to take a call, you're putting lives at risk. When you pick up your phone to check an email, you're putting lives at risk. And now, when you pick up your phone while driving, it's also against the law in Arizona. Don't get a ticket. Don't pick up your phone. Sponsored by Arizona Chapter National Safety Council and Governor's Office of Highway Safety.
1: Tune in to Top Gun Retirement Hour with Alan Kiefer. It's
4: time in America for CRT. No, not what you're hearing in the media. Critical
0: retirement thinking.
1: Understand the process and challenges of retirement planning with best selling author Alan Kiefer.
4: If you want to succeed at the business of retirement,
0: do it with a plan and a retirement coach.
1: Saturdays at 8 a.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. right here on 960 The Patriot.
0: A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
5: I fish. I also clean local waterways so others can fish and swim. I help build public boat ramps for easy access to the water. I provide fishing and water safety education for kids. I maintain a healthy fish population so tomorrow's anglers can enjoy a catch. I prevent unwanted species from spreading into waters where they don't belong. I restore the condition of rivers to help fish and wildlife thrive. I fund long-term plans to protect our lakes and streams. I do all of these things and more, all because I buy a fishing license. When you buy a fishing license, you do a lot. In fact, every dollar from a license purchase protects and maintains your local waterways for future generations to enjoy. To learn more about how you can get your fishing license, go to TakeMeFishing.org. That's TakeMeFishing.org. I started my adventure in the Air Force Reserve as a payload system operator. flight medic
1: in the Air Force Reserve. I'm a
5: pilot for the Air Force Thunderbirds demonstration team. We do a lot in a little bit of time, and we have to do it very efficiently. It's a very exciting career. The Reserve gave me the opportunity to learn something totally different from what I did. The training in the Air Force Reserve is second to none. The most exciting thing in the Air Force Reserve is to be able to travel. It gave me the opportunity to go to college. That was definitely a bonus. And the Air Force Reserve gave me all those opportunities, and then even more. Start your adventure in the Air Force Reserve.
3: Welcome back to everybody, 21 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. Let me tell you about a couple of good shops here in town that I can can, uh, tell you are really great places. They know what they're doing, and I've known their owners for a very long time. And I tell you this because I think it's beneficial if I find shops that are geographically located throughout the valley. And that gives you an opportunity to uh, to pick one if you don't already have one. But if you have a shop and you're really happy with the shop and you've been their customer for years, I would be the first one to tell you to stay right where you're at. On the other hand, right now we have a whole lot of selling going on. We've got the sun devil uh twenty eight sun devil's chain uh stores were repurchased by a company not too long ago. We've had some tire stores that have been repurchased. We've had a mechanical shop not too far away from our shop that was repurchased so we have a lot of investors buying up some chains of of car repair and that's always been a concern because typically the prices go up because right. of the significant of the millions of dollars they spent. To buy the facility, and so we're we're seeing that right now. And um, there's two trains of thought from a from a, a position uh, as the pilot of the airplane for me and Renee is: Do we follow him, or do we just take small steps behind him, or do we match him? Those are the kinds of things right. that goes on with labor rates. So you got a guy there at, at what are we right now?
1: We are one fifty.
3: One fifty. There's guys out there that are going to be a whole bunch more than we are. And there's going to be guys out there that are going to be a little bit less than we are. We try to position ourselves at the sixty percent mark, somewhere around there.
1: Yeah, we're typically we're less than a dealership. And, oh yeah, and yeah, maybe a little bit higher than some of the rare, uh, independents. Yeah,
3: and 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 there's nothing wrong with that because we have mom and pop shops that just work on two or three cars a day. And then we have chain stores that work on a lot of cars a day. Then we have independents that are small and big independents. Our our shop's 20 bays deep. And then we also have dealerships. So we have all this movement going on, including the dealerships, um, with respect to ownership changes and stuff like that. And, of course, sales philosophies and service uh, philosophies change when the the new owners come in.
1: Right. And I I really enjoy being here for the last 33 years because I get to meet the customer. I get to talk with the customer. Uh, on a dealership level, those techs are they're a half a mile away from the front counter. They yeah. never get to sometimes ask the customer uh, questions that would pertain to what's going on with their car. They, they don't have that, that personal relationship.
3: Well, and and, and folks, I mean, I need to tell you too that Eddie uh, has been hit in the head so many times and has scrambled his brain and stuff. His bay... Is the fishbowl bay? When you look from the lobby through the service rider areas, he has, he has the next two hoists in that area, so he's is in, in what we call the fishbowl bay, and um and you and you don't care. No, There's well, a lot you, of guys, guys that, like me there because
1: I'm clean. Yeah, yeah, I that's clean. true.
3: That's true. That's true. That's true. We got a couple of pig pens that work for us, like everybody else has a couple of pig pens, and that's okay. That's just you're not going to put a pig pen in a. In a, uh, a very expensive car with white leather. Unless, of course, you cover all the seats with seat covers before they get there. But it's just one of those things. It's just one of those things. Well, thank you for the compliment. I'll pass that on. Let uh, We've got Bobby. Hello. Bobby, how can I help hey, you?
4: Uh, yeah, I was driving a friend's Ford Explorer yesterday. I had to move it for him at the 2010, and I was... A couple of times when I passed vehicles on these two-lane roads on the way to Vegas, the uh, doing about sixty-five, seventy, and when I when it kicked down into the passing gear, mm-hmm. it stalled, and it did that twice
3: yesterday. It falls on its face. Does the engine die, or you just run out of power instantly?
4: Yeah, it just it it ran out of power and it was it had stalled. I had to pull over to the side of the road. And it started right up though, and it okay. was uh not overheating the uh the temperature gauge was right just a little bit below the middle,
3: okay, well, just so everybody understands wondering. we the temperature gauge on your car when you have a gauge it is perfectly acceptable to be two or three needle widths to the left or the right of the half mark. We don't care, right, yeah, so you so and your, your description bit... is perfect, yeah. All right, Mr. Explorer, who's driven Explorers ever since the day I met him and, and has never owned a Chevrolet in his yeah, life.
1: my Explorers are all rear-wheel drive. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So was this going up a hill? How much fuel was in the tank? Anything that you can equate that to?
4: Yeah, it was about two-thirds full. I was on a flat road, perfectly flat, and when I put the power to it and it kicked down in the passing gear, old times, it... Uh, about a half hour apart from each time, it just died.
3: Okay. Did the engine literally die, and you had to put it in a neutral coast off to the side of the road and restart it? Yeah. Okay. That's now, what I did. You, yeah, I put it in all right, the neutral. All right. And when you restarted it, did you have to crank for a while, or did it catch the minute you hit the key?
4: Yeah,
3: it caught
1: as
4: the minute I hit it.
3: So or we're going to think out loud well, now.
1: I had this happen on my Lexus. Okay. Um, the scenario was a couple times when I went to pass, I'd put it to the floor. It'd kick down. It'd go, whoa, whoa, and just fall on his face. face. I'd back off the throttle, and it, it would recover. The last time it did, it did the same thing, and it died, and okay. it left me on the side of the freeway. Okay. What happened was somehow a, a leaf had got past the air filter and was got sucked up into the sampling tube on the mass airflow sensor.
3: Okay, okay
1: and there was no air going across that, I could start the car, it would start, and a half second later it would die when it, when it finally got stuck in there where it wouldn't come out. So at this point, I'd be looking for some something on a restriction or something with the mass airflow sensor on that. Okay. And it, we have some it, debris or something that's on there.
3: All right. is is the Explorer got the one in the hose that goes to the intake manifold and to the yes. mouth? Okay. So the mass airflow sensor is going to be a device that's going to be on the hose that feeds air to the top of the engine, and you're going to want to take the two clamps off that. Well, the
1: first thing to do is is um, unattach the the top of the air filter housing from the air filter box. Okay. And so you'll have the when you do that, you have the air filter sitting in the box, and look into that tube that's going to the engine. Okay. That's the first thing. to Okay. Do. All right. Let's see if you see any. Hey, let know, me throw
4: things. in one other thing. I just okay. thought of is. Um, when I went to get gas in it, uh-huh. um, the, the, the gas cap was missing. Could that have anything to do with it?
1: Not as far as the fuel delivery, no.
3: No, that that would cause a check engine light. For EVAP system. Yeah, it,
4: and it did have a check engine light that came on, too. Right. I figured it was due to the gas cap.
3: Yeah. Missing. I don't think the gas cap would cause it to die or to, to run no. out of fuel or anything like that. The evaporative system on the car is what? We've got a closed system in the fuel tank, and we're going to suck the fumes off and send them forward and burn them again. So we're not going to let the fumes go into the atmosphere and contaminate the air we breathe. So the evaporative system's singular, singular job is to suck the fumes, the, the gas fumes off the tank, and burn them to the engine.
1: And some of those, it, it's possible there it could be a capless system as well. Oh, yeah. There is could, no fuel cap.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what I would do is probably, um, I'd probably take the fuel filter out and blow through it and probably put a fuel pressure tester on it, a gauge on it, and go drive it.
1: Well, I think on that one, that it's so it's a returnless system, so the fuel filter is in the bottom of the fuel tank on the fuel sender assembly.
3: Oh, so we're not going to be doing no, that. No, it's, long it's through, one of
1: those, it? it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those filter for life.
3: Yeah. Do you believe that?
1: Oh, it is? Yeah, it doesn't have huh. an external filter.
3: Oh, do you believe that it's a filter for life?
1: Sure. Once it gets clogged, it's life is done.
3: Jesus. <laughs> oh, now, how often have you... All right, so answer this question. Typically... And, and we're not going to be able to answer it. I'm going to ask right. a question, typically, how long does it last? And, and so when we come back, you stay right there, Bobby, because i got to be take a break here in about nine seconds. And so you're going to answer, that filter inside the tank needs to be replaced somewhere in this time or this mileage. And I'm going to give you some slack, and I'm also going to give you four minutes to think
0: about it. We'll be right back. Take The Patriot with you wherever you go. The 960 The Patriot mobile app. Your Alexa. Tune in. iHeart and Odyssey.com. It's your voice of reason 24-7.
2: This is attorney William J. Wolf, host of Middle East Radio Forum. Heard every Sunday at noon here on 960
3: The Patriot. This Sunday, Mayor Jalvitz returns to discuss Israel, the United States, and the Muslim world. We lie the loudest when we lie to ourselves. We deal with existential issues here on Middle East Radio Forum. This show will not be an exception. Please spread the word about this very important show. That's Middle East Radio Forum,
2: Sunday at noon on 960 The Patriot.
5: Dad! Come on! Over here! Look at this, Dad! Over!
1: Whoa!
0: The moment my son saw a redwood tree.
1: It's huge!
0: Is the moment I knew that for him?
5: You can't even see the top of that thing!
0: Even the sky has no limit.
5: There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, biking, fishing, or camping. Or do your own thing when you get there with family and friends. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org.
0: Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Music is a bridge between the material and the spiritual. My name is Harvey Lauer, and I'm 82. My wife, who was also blind, was a good cook. When she died, that's when I started Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch. It's Meals
5: on Wheels. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hey! Is that a faucet running? Nope, that's
1: not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. It is? Yeah. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. The water comes straight from the forest to us, in fact. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. How do trees clean the air? They soak up the dirty air on their leaves, branches, and trunks which means clean air for us. Hmm, cool. I didn't know that. Yep, but the forest does more than give us clean air and water. It gives us shade for hot days, birds to listen to, and trees to climb. Wow, that's awesome.
3: I didn't know how cool the forest could be. Hey, let's go explore some more.
0: Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does, just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council.
5: My early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. But it gave my mom and me more time to plan, together. Talk to your family about seeing a doctor. Go to alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad
2: Council. All about that demon, the, the monster with the polyglass wheels, the end result. Welcome
3: everybody, 34 forward. minutes after the hour of, uh, of ten. Of, hold on a minute of 11 o'clock okay we were talking to bobby bobby's got this explorer and he's dri- driving it across uh to uh, vegas, to vegas uh, uh, across the hellhole of the state of arizona on the west side and uh and and intermittently on on hard throttle he it, the engine's falling on its face and, and dying, and to dying. off to the side of the road right. restarted okay so give me your best uh
1: well like i said I've, i was looking at something with the that's affecting the mass airflow sensor on a hard acceleration that it's 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 doing some so with that volume of air something is is causing an issue.
3: Okay. And he really only has two choices. He either waits till gets worse and easier to find and happens more often right. or he starts guessing and guessing is going to be expensive because if you were going to guess where do you go? Now, one of the things is if he had a relationship with his repair shop, he had he had a, been a customer for 10 years those of us that have those kinds of customers and we have plenty of them ourselves, yes. it's not uncommon for us to plug a scanner in and say, here, you monitor this, push this button when you start the car and push the, you know, and get them involved in it. Right. So or
1: let me take your car home. I'll drive it at home.
3: Yep. Because yeah. So
1: I'm, I'm thinking worst case is that, boy, I'd hate to have that thing die and not restart in the middle of
3: yeah. the desert yeah. between
1: here and Vegas.
3: Right. No, you're right. It, it, it's, But we don't have any choice on that. And there's a lot of shops, the owners get mad at me when I say we'll send it home with a technician they say we don't we don't do that and that's okay because if you own the shop you can make that decision right. but in, in 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 some cases we do make that but first we want to do some cursory inspections first we want to see fuel pressure and fuel filter and we want to look at historical codes and we want to look at some stereo stream data and we want to go drive the car stuff like yeah, that and
1: we we're talking about that on that one the fuel filter is in the tank
3: okay how that's long that. is how old is that how long is that good for
1: you know it's it's totally different from an inline fuel filter okay. because on an inline fuel filter you have it's a dead end. Once the contaminants get into the filter, there's no way to get them out. Mm-hmm. On the in-tank filter, it has the advantage of that there's not a dead end. That anything that it sucks into that filter when the car is shut off, and there is no longer suction from the fuel pump. Some of that debris can fall out of the filter and become suspended back again into the into the, the fuel tank. Okay. 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 So,
3: can we uh, drop a camera down the neck of the tank uh, with a light on the? You end can't of it?
1: because now they have a rollover valves, so you can't. Oh, you can't get down you can't there. Can't get anything. You can't get a hose in there to siphon out. But
3: what I miles? know on my
1: Lexus, you know, I had a Carfax when I bought it, mm-hmm. um, when I did the fuel pump at to 300 and something thousand miles okay. it was the original fuel pump and original filter okay really a lot of it goes to where are you getting your fuel Right, the, the station or you know how are they maintaining their fuel supply to the pump
3: but in in their defense though if that were a real problem we had a tank full of dirt and it was be dispensed it wouldn't take long before somebody in the area would figure that out oh right you know yeah. it's it it it's more likely but my point is is this is going to be really hard to diagnose And there's probably going to be some guessing involved. Let's try this. Let's try that. And that—that's all we've got to work with until it dies and doesn't restart. And then it's real easy to find. Right. And
1: on those on those in-tank filters, typically the fuel pump dies before the filter ever gets so plugged up that the car will not run.
3: And you're going to do the fuel filter and the pump at the same time because you're in the same place.
1: And it yeah, and it's normally a lot of times it comes as what we call a fuel hanger. That whole thing. It's the sender. It's the pump. It's the tank. Sometimes you. You have to do it piecemeal. You okay. Replace the pump and then replace the filter. So,
3: in that particular case, but Bobby, that's the best we can we can offer you. Harry, how are you?
2: Fine. How are you guys doing today? We're good. Very We're well. good. I'm glad you got your Ford guru because I I wanted to ask a few questions about my Ford. Okay. Okay, it's a 2019 Ford uh, F-150 Crew Cab with the 3.5 EcoBoost, and it's an XLT. Now,
3: SLT, is that like medium rare or something like that? (laughs) What is that? Excellent. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Eric.
2: Okay. (laughs) So anyway, uh, being an XLT, and I I didn't know this. I thought I'd really done research on it, but uh, the four-wheel drive system that it has, you're not supposed to drive on a hard surface. You know, it's supposed to be, you know, uh, you know, dirt or, or you know, ice or s- snow or whatever. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, have a place from north, you're coming up and you're hitting some uh, snow and stuff. And uh, the four-wheel drive systems that have the, uh, I guess, the all-wheel drive and have the clutch system in the transfer case. But uh, the bad thing about this is the XLT package, you cannot get that particular system and you have to go up to a... Larry or whatever, and the only place I ever found that gave information about this was at the owner's manual.
3: <laughs> oh, well, already you you're going to admit you even read it?
2: Well, yeah, because I hadn't owned a Ford in a long time. Okay, since 1968,
3: so okay, <laughs> that's well, basically the two Ford pickets. All right. Address so address the. I mean, I have
1: no issues with driving a four-wheel drive on on any hard surface. There's gonna the differential is gonna take care of any any
3: front or rear
1: front or rear of any different wheel speed from either side, either corner.
3: And but let's let's look at the extremes. The extreme is I'm doing 45 miles an hour on a snow-packed road and I'm going straight. Okay, for a long period of time. That's one extreme. The other one, yeah, yeah. Well, if I'm in a Ford, I I got a tow truck behind me anyway. But the (laughs) second part is, is that you're out there um, in deep snow and you're trying to find a cabin in Heber after they had two foot of snow. The the, the two extremes. You know what I mean? The, The problem is, is they don't want there to be a significant amount of slip from one axle or one wheel to the other. They don't want to have the front axle doing 50 miles an hour and the back axle doing 10 miles an hour. And it's not going to happen. Just don't do stupid stuff like that. I, I'm sure you won't, Harry. But I don't have any we'll problem try. with driving it off-road or on-road. Uh, if I need four-wheel drive to to maintain motion, I'm going to use four-wheel drive. And,
1: I mean, and if you're relying on four-wheel drive to get you out of something, you're not doing 40 miles an hour. Yeah. You're crawling. Yeah,
3: yeah. So I, I I don't I don't know that that I don't know why that's it why they put that, I would say that maybe their four wheel drives aren't as tough as the Chevys and Dodges. I I guess it would be well, the only thing.
2: Here's the thing I you know back in the 50s and 60s the four wheel drive system they had on the vehicles that I had uh, checked on or used were like that. It specifically said that if you come up you know out of the desert onto a hard you know, surface like asphalt. You're supposed to get out and flip your, uh, you know, your freewheeling hubs to a free instead of locked because of the transfer case.
3: Well, there's so there's I'm a...
2: kind of thinking the same system that they're you know that Ford's using on this particular deal now, but you mm-hmm. can't.
3: There's, no, there's a whole kidding. bunch of difference there. You're talking way back then and now. You're right. talking fluid differences, clutch differences, um, uh, just all kinds of stuff. Transfer cases have are improving every year. I mean, we, it's 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 just the difference. Um, I I think what they they want to create this vision that we need all four tires to be going the same RPM. And and and, and on, a, on a road, on a pavement road, we may have a problem with that because one of them has seven pounds or more air than the other one or something stupid like that.
1: Right. And, I mean, back in your are in the 50s and the 60s, sure, you left it four-wheel drive and you get back on the asphalt and it starts squawking as you go on a tight turn because exactly. it's right. trying to to keep all the systems locked together.
3: But they don't do that now. No. They don't do that now. There's no squawking when you turn right, a hard right or a hard left, on, on a good road or on, a, on a, a, a a slippery road. There's no more. We're, we're, the differentials are working like they're supposed to and a whole lot better than they did.
1: And nowadays, on most what we call all-wheel drives, where there is no... You can't select sec, you know, two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. They're all-wheel drive. Normally, above 20 miles an hour, those systems are disconnected. And you're just basically in... Let's say you're in a, a all-wheel drive Honda Pilot. Once you get above 20 miles an hour, you're strictly 100% powered by the front wheels. Because above no, 20 miles hon- an hour, you don't need yeah that traction because so you're already going. We're,
3: we're going to use the axle that, that, that can, can power us through wherever it's at. And, and does a Honda Pilot, can it select front or rear? Yes. Okay, so if we start spinning the rear, it's going to send the power to the front Correct. and vice versa. Okay. Most all-wheel drives yeah. are like I got to run because I'm being can you hear him using bad words at me Gil is okay. using bad words he says you're three minutes past your break and and I said it's Harry's fault it's Harry's fault
0: we'll be right back are you kidding me gas prices are up again somebody has to do something well someone did that's why I use upside upside what's that it's a free app that pays you back real money for every gallon of gas or diesel you buy I just earned 25 cents back on every gallon of this tank. Hold on. So the upside app is free and you actually get cash back every time you use it. No strings attached. Yep. It's awesome. Check it out. It only takes a couple of minutes to sign up. Instead of just watching your dollars go into your tank, start putting money back into your wallet with the free app from Upside. With the price of gas today, it's big news and big money. To cash out of your Upside cash, just transfer it to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card. Upside users have already earned over $200 million. Now it's your turn. Download the free Upside app and get cash back on every gallon of gas. Use promo code TREE for an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's code TREE. Use code TREE for an extra 25 cents per gallon back in your first fill-up. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Sachmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Sachmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier-hound-chihuahua-looking kind of mix tremendous dog i'd also like to point out satchmo's coloring a white gray brown black brindle simply marvelous you know it's such a treat to watch a dog like this now let's see him in action look how he makes eye contact with his person that's actually known as the treat stare how intuitive and now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles ah the happy dance so common with this group and finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and well licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Sachmer is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council.
5: I started my adventure as an aerospace medical technician. Flight medic in the Air Force Reserve. As satellite system operator. As a
0: space systems operator. And
5: I'm a pilot for the Air Force Thunderbirds demonstration we team. We deliver the world's timeliest environmental intelligence data.
1: Flying to Afghanistan, bringing wounded warriors back to Germany. We
5: take care of injured personnel on a daily basis. And then
1: flying them from Germany back to the States. As a
5: member of the Thunderbirds, I get to be a part of a team that passes on the message of the United States Air Force Reserve to the US and the world. It's a very exciting career. One of the greatest things about the Air Force Reserve is all the different opportunities. The Training in the Air Force Reserve is second to none. It gave me the opportunity to go to college. The Air Force Reserve actually paid for my education, which allowed me to commission. It was definitely a
0: bonus. Probably the most exciting thing I've done is support humanitarian relief operations in places like Haiti.
5: The Reserve gave me the opportunity to learn something totally different from what I did.
0: Being able to travel.
5: I enjoy the getaways that I get, and I enjoy the camaraderie and fellowship I share with all my unit mates. We're really close-knit. We're unique. And the Air Force Reserve gave me all those opportunities, and then even more. Start your adventure in the Air Force Reserve.
3: Welcome back, everybody, 46 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. Eddie and I are sitting here talking off-air about all kinds of stuff, Um, and and we're talking about our differences in opinions with some of the cars and some of the trucks and some of the oils and some of the maintenance and stuff. You can have that kind of difference because we have different experiences. But the the answer answer to... to, uh, um, uh, Harry's issue is Ford doesn't want him on four wheel drive on paved roads, and I'm suggesting that um, it, it's okay.
1: Right. I mean, but there is no need to have four wheel drive on a paved road.
3: Right. It, but if you're if you come off of a. a, a a, a dirt road and you've got to drive five miles on a dirt road before you hit a a pull-off you either do it before you get on the on the road but you're unsure about the highway i can see scenarios where somebody would get stuck and have to drive another mile to a to a turn off to to turn off four wheel right. drive but so let me just change the question how many times have we seen a calamity happen because of something like that can you remember i any? cannot i can't either I can't either. I can't remember ever having a four-wheel drive anything come in with a blown-up differential or a blown-up transfer case that wasn't obvious. I had one not so long ago up in Prescott, and the kid—well, he burned the right rear tire, clearing down to nothing, trying to get out of the hole he was in, and and then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose. Yeah, that was a lot of pieces. Those kind of repairs are self-inflicted, and and they're obvious. Yes. When they get off the tow truck, they're obvious. All right. This didn't happen by itself. So there's somebody who was sitting right here in this seat is what caused this to happen. All righty. Anyway, I'm going to talk about three shops here in town that I'm really proud of. These guys are really, really good. But we're going to start with Mesa. The East Valley is very difficult for me to find shops that have Tenure. Tenure is important to me. I need to know that the owner's been there for years and years and years. I need to know that the owner has a good relationship with parts houses, pays his bills, you know, stuff like that. And so it, it, I just don't have anybody that has applied over the last three or four years that um, has been had more check marks than they should. But Thompson's Auto Repair is different. Thompson's has been around since 1970. Brian and Thelma run Thompson's Auto Repair. They both come from families from the Shell and the Union 76. The old gas stations. The old gas stations. One of their parents ran Shell stations, and the other the, uh, other parent ran a Union 76. These kids have smelled gasoline their whole life, <laughs> and, and they've seen Dad with grease and dirty fingernails at dinner a lot. So Brian and, and Thelma have a ASE-certified technicians. Uh, they really have the highest level of automotive services that I found in the East Valley. They do friendly reminders to let you know when your vehicle's due for service. So they do those kinds of things to help you keep your car in order. So Thompson's Auto Repair and Towing is on Main Street, just east of Stapley in Mesa, and it's the only shop in the East Valley that I can really recommend. As far as diesels are concerned, Nate is strictly diesel up North Is North. He's a big yeah, he's, dog.
1: Yeah, he's very... Very knowledgeable.
3: And Fords and Chevys and Dodges, all of them. And he's a nice guy, and he's one of the few owners that will take calls and talk to you about your car sometimes for a long time. And he's just a good guy about that. When you meet him, hes I think he's nine feet tall, <laughs> and his hands look like tennis rackets. So you don't want to make him mad because if he hits you outside your head, you're going to find your head in a zip code that's two away. But he's the nicest guy in the world and Strictly Diesel also has, if you want to do some performance modifications to your diesel engine and still stay within some parameters of reasonability, Nate's a good guy for that. So you can also go to his website. So Nate at Strictly Diesel, I-17 and Pinnacle Peak Road, and the name of the shop is Strictly Diesel Service and Repair. And he's open Monday through Friday, but his website sells parts 24 hours a day. And then last but not least, we've got Larry Harker's Auto, and this is a shop that goes back to the fifties and the sixties, Bob was there, and Bob knows from the very beginning of carburetors to the very beginning of ignition systems and the points and the condensers and then the mo gone through to electronic ignition and then crank uh then we did away all altogether with the distributor and distributor I think
1: he invented the p c v valve he
3: did he did but he has just a, such a tremendous skill level with respect to of, of uh, and I've traveled that path, but he's better than I am. He's just better than I am. He's just been he's been in the trenches longer. I think I think I ended up you know going into administration a little <laughs> a little a little earlier than he did. But Larry Harkers has been around on Thirty Eighth Avenue in Indian School since nineteen sixty seven, and and the best story I have to tell is. They had a. It was a BMW, and the person brought the BMW in, and and, and gave him an estimate that somebody had bid it for seventeen hundred dollars worth of work because the passenger side floorboard was wet, and they found that the the condensate tube from the evaporator was plugged, and it was running cold air conditioning water onto the mat on the passenger side of the floor, so all they did is hook a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> To the tube and sucked the plug out of it, and then they just rinsed it out and fixed it all up and sent them on their way. They were up against a seven. I think it was a seventeen hundred dollar bid, and they wanted to go in. So and So was do
1: it bid as a replace the heater core, heater core leaking,
3: and evaporator? It was okay. a heater core and an evaporator. And those are in the same compartment.: Yes, And so and, 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 and your air conditioning system, the, the cold portion of your air conditioning system is called the evaporator, and the fan sits behind it, and the evaporator is very cold, like a big ice cube, and we blow cold. We blow air across the evaporator, which gives you cold air in your air conditioning, but it also sweats. And the water associated with that trans- that that transformation is supposed to go out this tube, and everybody with a car knows that sometime in the summertime you come out and there's water underneath. There's gonna the- be a puddle.
1: You know, most of the time it's on right behind the right front wheel. Yep. Sometimes it's in the, the middle of the car. But it's just water. You touch it with your finger; it's not greasy. Yep. You blow on it, and it evaporates. It's it's just water.
3: And and it's cold, and it's clear. clear. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say it's
1: it's just it's clear. It's not green.
3: It's, it's not, not orange. It's no. not blue. It's not. It's just clear. And and that's what it's supposed to do. But somebody had diagnosed this as we need to go in and do this. And and the old cowboy says, you know what? I'm going to hook a vacuum cleaner to this thing and see if I can suck that big hairball out of that little bitty tube. And he yeah. did. And then he says, we even went in and, and we started putting some water into the vents because we knew the vents went to the evaporator case. And so we kind of rinsed it out, so to speak, and we gave it back to him. So the customer is real happy, and obviously that's the old cowboy. But that's that's exactly what Harker's is all about. All right. it's, it's, it's fundamentals are something they know as good as anybody.
1: But I, I'm glad you said that they used a vacuum cleaner because there was a technician that worked here that the evaporator drain was plugged. Uh-huh. And... He used a piece of a coat hanger uh-huh. to clear the tube out. Mm-hmm. Well, that coat hanger was pretty stiff. He went up and he punctured one of the tubes on the evaporator.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: now instead of just having
3: now Mark fixes it,
1: right? Just <laughs> a water leak. Now we have to go in and replace the evaporator. Right. So if you're gonna if you're gonna put something into the evaporator drain to try and unplug it use a zip tie something flexible something that's not as rigid as a coat hanger that's not going to poke a hole in something
3: and the evaporator is a small radiator looking device it looks just like a radiator. It might be aluminum, but it looks like a radiator. So it had fins, and it has air blowing across it, and it has tubes that go horizontal. It looks just like a small radiator because its job is just like a radiator. It's a heat exchanger. It's a heat exchanger. So when you stick a coat hanger up there... Um, he popped the balloon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, that's not the worst part uh, From from my point of view. We've had cars fall off the hoist I had to pay for. We had cars that left the shop, and a block later, the, the wheel uh, came off. The wheel came off. Um, we had the one lady who made it all the way to rural road with no oil. Yes, and because we bu- the
1: wrong oil filter was, they were placed on the bench. They were side by side, and the technician grabbed the oil filter he thought was for his car, but it wasn't. It threaded on, but it didn't seal.
3: And those are just those are the expenses of doing business. We put an engine in the lady's car. Yes, and we put an engine, in the, and the guy with the, the wheel fell off. We fixed his car. We, I, I'll, I, we no charge that ticket. We did a bunch, and 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 the guy with the evaporator, we just said we messed up, and we're going to have to replace the evaporator and this entire ticket. as no charge to you. Correct. We, because you can't really charge him for what you should have done, <laughs> although you're going to have to do that anyway. But I, I guess the message there is, is all shops are going to have these kinds of calamities. Yes. And 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 there's as different calamities as there are technicians. And it's just one of those things. We're gonna. We 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 had hoped that if you left our shop with no oil, which has only happened once that I can re- ever remember in 33 years you've worked for me, um, the light was on, the engine started clattering, then it started smoking, then it started knocking, and then it blew up. And I would kind of hope that you'd call me <laughs> before that. It got started, to the very end. It got to the end. But by by the same token, by the time it starts smoking and squeez squee squeeching screeching, it's over. Yeah. The motor's toast. And I'm i mean, the, and the, in a boner.
1: The biggest difference is how, when that happens, how does that person step up to the plate and say, raise his hand and say, it's on me. It's my fault.
3: And, and the answer really is, is I'm going to put you back better than you came here because I, ha- I can't put a 80,000-mile motor in your car. I'm going right. to have to do better than that. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to put you in a rental car, and you're going to have a warranty on the motor, even though I paid for it. You're going to have a warranty on the motor, and, and that's the best I can do. Or either that or I'll buy your car. You you know, if you, and, and, and I think every time I've offered to buy their car, they don't want to buy
1: it. Uh, on that one, I remember that. And they,
3: the they husband were.
1: and the wife had the same. They both had a Toyota Avalon. Mm-hmm. He had one. She had one. Mm-hmm. And they were just in love with those cars, mm-hmm. and he didn't want to get rid of it.
3: Yep, yep. So I said, "Okay, we'll, we'll put well, a I motor." I put an in engine it. in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you you just covered up for the technician that made that mistake? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say his name. But... Oh, okay, okay. I, I didn't, I didn't know if you were going to raise your hand and say it was you or not. But anyway, we've, you can't process. I don't know. I I, I don't even know the number. We process a lot of cars every year, and we make mistakes. The difference um, between us and some other people in our industry is, is we know that we made a mistake, and we're going to raise our hand and say we made a mistake. But if you're going to go to the Eagle or the Beaver and that's the next thing out of your mouth, then you're not getting any cooperation from me because I work for the Eagle and, well, I don't, but I work for lawyers. I'm not scared of that kind of threat. I'll just, why don't you let me put you back better than you were, and then let's see what happens. So I'm not going to give you a car engine that's going to smoke. I'm not going to give you one that's been rode hard and put away wet. I'm going to really do a good job as if you were my mother or my father. I'm, right. and I'm going to give you back something better than we wrecked. So, and but again, this this doesn't this these major calamities they they're not once a year. No,
1: I mean every car that comes in here has a work order number and we're up to 130,000 I think yeah. now. And yeah. this is we used to handwrite them, so we have cars going back before that that we've worked on. Yeah,
3: well, we have thirty-eight thousand customers yes. too. So, and and then we're we're growing at um, sometimes uh, twenty customers a month. So it's it's tough. All righty, we'll see you next week
0: right here on KKNT